As Meredith Hill once said, when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. The goal of having a business or a brand online is reaching someone, right? But if you're not clear on your main purpose and mission, how do you know who you're trying to reach? If you are ready to get some clarity on what your niche should be, if you even need a niche to be an online creator or an online business, then keep on listening because in today's episode, I am going to be talking through all of those important questions and hopefully guiding you to find some clarity of purpose with your online content. Welcome to the Creator Club podcast produced by Creatorly Media. I'm your host, Katie Steckley. I'm a side hustle YouTuber turned six-figure CEO that's obsessed with social media, making content, and building communities. Here on the Creator Club podcast, we dive deep into the social media and content creation strategies that are important to you as a creator. Whether you want to grow on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, or with a podcast, we've got advice for you. So stay tuned for my workshop style solo shows and the occasional expert interview. Oh, and by the way, this club is open to everyone. Whether you have one or 1 million followers, there's a seat for you at the table. So let's get into it. Before we get into this episode, you know it, Creator Club, I've got to give a massive shout out to the reviewer of the week. This week's review comes from Megan or at Megan Loves Disney on Instagram. And Megan's review is titled Packed with Value. And she writes, I love that Katie is so open and transparent about social media and influencer marketing. No wishy-washy advice here. Feeling super motivated to put all the tips and tricks into action on my own account at Megan Loves Disney. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Megan. First of all, thank you for that really sweet review. Also, thank you for always hanging out on Instagram. Totally see your name in the comments quite regularly. So really appreciate that. And for all of you listening, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you've found some value in what I'm sharing here, a review on Apple Podcasts seriously means the world. It's what helps me to continue to grow this show because reviews and ratings, as well as downloads on Apple Podcasts is kind of what goes into getting a show into the charts. Right now, Creator Club is actually in the top 20 of marketing podcasts in the US, which is super exciting. But something that I've definitely learned over the years of doing this podcast is that it can fluctuate a lot based on how many ratings or reviews you're getting recently. So it always, always really helps. I notice every time that I get a few new reviews that it tends to go up in the rankings. So if you want to support this show and help us to continue to spend time on researching and writing these helpful episodes for you, then leaving a review is the best way that you could do that. So thank you so much, Megan, for your kind review. And if you're listening right now, please drop us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I really, really appreciate it. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's get into the topic of this week's episode, which is, do you need a niche? I want to walk you through the guide to getting clear on your purpose and mission as a content creator or an online business owner, which a lot of the time comes back to having a niche. And I'm sure if you've spent any time in the world of social media marketing tips online, then you have heard a lot of gurus or educators talk about this 
um, but maybe not in a super detailed way. That's some feedback that I received recently. I actually just did a little poll on my Instagram stories asking all of you what your pet peeves are when it comes to what online educators or gurus share and don't share. And a lot of you felt like there is kind of this general attitude towards niches where we talk about it all the time, like you need to have a niche, but no one ever really explains how that works, how to find one, what exactly constitutes a niche. So I thought it would be helpful today to really dive into the nitty gritty of it. And hopefully this will help you as you get yourself established and kind of start growing on Instagram or whatever platform you're focusing on. So to get us started, first we need to define what a niche is. The traditional definition of a niche is a specialized segment of the market for a particular kind of product or service. Another great way to describe a niche, at least when it comes to being an online content creator or business owner, is the problem that you solve or the specific topic that you talk about on your platforms that you would be considered a leader or knowledgeable about in that topic area. The idea of having a niche definitely comes from, I would say, like a business sort of perspective. So if you're going into being a content creator, as an artist or creative person, I understand that it can be difficult to have a niche because it can feel like you're really limiting yourself or taking away parts of your authentic personality and kind of putting them on hold in order to package yourself in a more marketable way. And I totally understand that feeling of hesitation or or wanting to avoid that. But what hopefully I'll be able to show you throughout this episode is how you're able to find a niche that feels authentic and like not contrived to you and how that can actually be really, really helpful if you do want to see that growth. So speaking of that, let's kind of get into the importance of having a niche, the benefits that it can have, and why it's really important to kind of find one that is going to suit you and help you grow. There are many reasons why having a niche is important. One of the most important reasons though is it helps you be known for something. When someone thinks of you or your business, what do they first think about? What immediately comes to mind for them? Being known for something can help you become the go-to person for that specific need or topic. If you think about this in a more sort of traditional analog way, like if we peel back the layers concerning algorithms and engagement online, and we just think about, you know, kind of traditional business, word of mouth, that kind of thing, you can understand why being known for something is super important. Like imagine you move into a small town and you start asking around like, hey, I need to find a hairdresser. You know, who do you know that's a really great hairdresser? Chances are the kinds of people that will come to mind for folks is someone who specializes in and is really, really great at cutting hair. They likely aren't going to recommend, you know, their mother-in-law who, you know, happens to cut hair for some people, but also does, you know, stamp collecting and I don't know, art curating and catering and whatever, right? It's going to be kind of confusing to maybe remember that that person cuts hair when they do all these other kinds of things. So now taking out of that little like village metaphor and bringing it back to the online space, 
you can see how having one specific thing that you're known for and you become memorable for is going to help you grow not only through word of mouth, which you'd be surprised actually how much word of mouth can contribute to someone growing online, like people genuinely just messaging their friends and saying, hey, check out this person I found on YouTube or check out this podcast I really love. But it's also going to help you with the sort of digital equivalent of word of mouth, which is when people arrive at your profile, are they going to know right away what you do and what value you can provide? So in order to make things super clear and so that you can be easily recommended to new potential followers, it's good to be known for something specific. For example, many of you probably think of me and then think of Instagram marketing because that's kind of what I've become known for on YouTube and with this podcast. And now it's important to remember, this doesn't mean that you can only do that. Obviously right now I'm talking about having a niche, which is applicable to all kinds of different platforms. If you scroll through my most recent podcast episodes, you'll see that we talk about everything from brand deals to content planning, to podcasting, to TikTok. So Just because you have something that you're known for, that's kind of your signature thing that you're sort of famous for, doesn't mean you can't do anything else, but it is important, especially in the early stages, to have something specific that you're known for because it's going to help you grow through that word of mouth and from new people finding you, knowing exactly what you do. Another important reason to have a niche is to help to attract your ideal audience. If you're all over the place with topics that you talk about on your platform, you're going to end up attracting a variety of people, which might not seem so bad until you decide to either work with brands or to sell your own products. So if you're a beginner content creator, you might think, you know, just having anybody and everybody following you is great because you just want to increase your followers. And I totally relate to that. I understand that desire. Sometimes it just feels like, oh, it'd be great if just anybody was paying attention to what I was doing. But as you start to grow and move forward in your journey, you'll realize the value of having a specific sort of person following you because it will help you when you get to the point of wanting to pitch brands and work with particular companies for sponsored content or brand deals. Just to kind of get more specific here and really spell it out, like if you have an audience that's just absolutely anybody and everybody and you start to think that you want to do brand deals, who are you going to do brand deals with, right? You need to figure out who your audience is and what they might be interested in so you know how to sell to them. And that also includes your own products as well. If you think that someday you'd like to create digital products like a course or an ebook, what are you going to make that course about? Or what is that ebook going to be about if you don't really know who your audience is exactly? Because you're talking about everything. Not only that, but if we're really honest with ourselves, it's going to be very, very difficult to grow an audience when you're talking about a lot of like varieties of different topics. It can be easy to feel like, oh yeah, well, lots of people do that. Like that must be like a thing influencers do because I see people with all these followers talking about all these different topics and they seem to get attention for it. But the unfortunate thing is you need to remember that it's an entirely different game getting started as a small creator than it is being like a really established creator with like, you know, 500k plus followers or subscribers. There does come a tipping point when you have enough of a dedicated audience where you can kind of move into variety content and get attention for it. But honestly, I don't even personally feel like I'm at that stage yet. If you've followed me closely on YouTube, you'll see that I experimented with that. And you know, 
it's just, it's just not in the cards for me right now. So that's just to say, like, I know it can be tempting to look up to creators that we love and think, oh, well, she can do all this cute lifestyle variety stuff and get lots of views on all her videos. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be possible for everybody at every stage of growth. So especially in the beginning, it's a lot easier to find new people to follow you if it's very, very clear what you're offering. Okay, so now that we kind of understand what a niche is and the importance of it, I think this is probably something we're all very aware of and like, oh yeah, it's easier to grow if you have a specific niche. Sure, we all understand that. But I think what's going to be most useful for you in this episode is going through what we call the four evaluation stages of finding your niche and getting clear on your purpose and mission. Because I think what a lot of creators really struggle with is not the fact that yes, okay, we know a niche would be helpful, but how do you find one that feels authentic and not contrived for you? And exactly what could constitute a niche? Because I think a lot of people come up with stuff and they think it's a niche, but it's maybe not specific enough, or maybe it's too specific. So let's get into the details. The first evaluation stage is to evaluate yourself. You have to dig deep and determine topics that you're not only passionate about, but that you feel knowledgeable in as well. You could always make a list of things that you're passionate about and a list of your skills and look at it and see, are there any connections there? You know, you could have a piece of paper and you can imagine two columns there on the right hand side, stuff that you love, stuff that you enjoy, stuff that you're interested in. And on the right hand side, stuff that you know that you're good at. Now you can kind of look between those two columns and see, is there any overlap for one? Are any of those things, things that were listed on both sides? Or are there ways that I can connect these two sides together in a way that is going to help create something that's, you know, a little bit unique? If you're having trouble starting off with this column idea, I've actually got a list of prompts that might help you start thinking about what you love what you're good at and where those overlaps might be. So those questions are one, what is something that you look forward to doing each day? Two, what types of media do you like to consume the most? Three, how do you spend your free time? Four, what are your hobbies? And five, what do your friends and family come to you for help on? Hopefully these questions will get those juices flowing. And once you come up with a few potential topics, then it's time to evaluate your audience. So this is stage two, evaluating your audience. Something that I've said many times before is the importance of finding a topic that not only you're passionate about and that you have knowledge around, but also that your ideal audience would also relate to. But before you can even do that, you have to evaluate your audience and know who they are and what they like. As a fellow people pleaser, I know the feeling of wanting to please everyone. You want all your followers to love you and to enjoy all the content that you're making. But when it comes to your brand and business, you can't reach everyone. You can't make everybody happy. So how do you determine who you're targeting and who you're going to dedicate this content to? Well, of course, this is dependent on the topics that you decided on while evaluating yourself. So think back to that list of, okay, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? And then use those to guide you into finding out who this audience is and ways that you're going to be able to help them. 
questions that you can ask about this potential ideal audience to get you brainstorming is what do they enjoy? What do they do for work? What are their struggles? What media do they like to consume? What resources or info are they looking for? Something that can be really helpful when you're first coming up with a niche is honestly just thinking about your target audience as you a year ago. That's a really classic thing if you are especially leaning into the kind of like education space because it can be really hard to feel like an expert sometimes. You feel like you don't have enough to share, but really you can just think about, okay, where was I at a year ago? How could I help her get to where I am now? But let's say in six months or three months instead of it taking a whole year. And those are the kinds of things that you can share with your audience. So then in that case, it's really easy to kind of define your audience or figure out what they might be interested in if it's just literally you, but you know, in the past, something that I would caution you on when you're thinking about that is how specific you get. Maybe this is just something that I fall into personally, because let's be real, I've got a lot of obscure interests and like random hobbies. So when I'm thinking about, okay, how would I be able to help Katie, let's say with Instagram a year ago, I could think about, okay, obviously like tips and tricks around Instagram. That's great. But then when I start to think about other ways that we might relate, you know, if I'm picturing myself as my ideal audience, then I could really get into the weeds in terms of like, oh yeah, she loves Harry Styles and Outlander and is also interested in like space and philosophy. And you know, it just, we're, we're getting too specific there. So just try to be realistic, I guess, in like how much you're going to be able to find an audience that's just like you in the past. Most likely you'll be able to do that again, if you frame it around your specific niche. So I know that there's going to be some overlap. Obviously I'll probably have some audience members who also love the Outlander series, but not everybody will. So kind of keep your niche in mind as the one thing that ties it all together. And, you know, of course you can sprinkle in stuff that's personal to you and, and, you know, brings your personality to the forefront. I think that's always really helpful, but just know, um, the limitations of picturing yourself as in the past, as your ideal audience. Of course, there's other approaches to take if you're not trying to be an educator necessarily and you're just trying to like entertain or encourage, then you very well might have an audience of people that aren't you in the past. Maybe they've had a totally different experience from you, um, but you're able to provide value for them anyway. So just try to think about who would be interested in those topics that we talked about in the first evaluation stage of what you're passionate about and what you're good at and think about who that would be useful for and then start to ask those questions that I listed before and that will help to guide you into figuring out who your target audience is which is just as valuable or more valuable than defining a super specific subject or topic area. It's very very important to know who you're creating for. Okay, so this brings us to stage three, which is evaluating your market. Is there a market for this topic? Is one of the first questions you have to ask yourself when coming up with a niche. And this is something that I think, honestly, a lot of gurus don't really acknowledge or talk about. Really, it's not enough just to have passion and skills in a topic. You need to know if anyone else has any interest in it too. The goal of doing this market research is attempting to determine if you could grow in this niche before taking up a lot of your time to try to do it. Before diving into market research, you first need to determine what it is you're researching. 
What information are you hoping to uncover? In my opinion, the most important objective of this research is simply seeing if there is a current audience for this topic within the specific platform you're planning to use to discuss it. This is very important because there might be an audience for your niche on YouTube, but not really on Instagram. So go to the platform that you want to target and try to find others who are doing something similar and see if they have an audience. If you search for your topic on Instagram and find a few pages of people doing something similar, but they only have like 10 or 15 followers, that might not be a good sign. But if you see someone with 10K, 100K or more, and they seem legitimate, then I say go for it. This is a very important area that a lot of educators skip over, I think because it's nice to be encouraging and say like anyone can do it, any topic can succeed. And I would say I agree with that and um, you know, would say that as well to a certain extent. I think like that's true in 95% of cases with the caveat that there are certain platforms that are going to be more effective for you than others. And this is something that we have seen with our clients at Creatorly Media as well, that they might come on and initially think, I really want to grow on Instagram. That's the place for me. Let's create content there. Um, But then it turns out down the line that maybe LinkedIn was actually a better platform for them. And then we shift and start creating content on LinkedIn instead. So I think it's just really helpful from the outset to think about your topic area and then also your audience as we did in the previous step and really think about, okay, where do they hang out online? Because it really could just be that Instagram is not the place. Now, like I said, I think in 95% of cases, Instagram probably is the place because as social media platforms grow and evolve, more and more people move to them and there's more and more diversity in niches and topics. About a year and a half ago when we were talking about TikTok, I know a lot of people felt like, oh, only kids are on TikTok. There won't be any space for my like nine to five corporate, you know, millennial niche. And now, you know, months later, it turns out actually that's a huge topic area. And I'm constantly seeing TikToks from people about, you know, relatable stuff around the nine to five or the, you know, hustle of working in corporate or whatever. So sometimes it just takes time for these platforms to grow and for more niches to show up. But at this point, I would say places like YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok have a huge amount of diversity in niches. Places that are a little bit more specific in terms of what niche you might be able to succeed with would include LinkedIn, potentially podcasting. So think about who your audience would be, where do they spend time, Do you see other creators in your niche doing well on the platform that you're thinking of targeting? And just do some research and see if you can find evidence of that. I know it might seem discouraging to look up a certain topic on, say, Instagram and find that there's millions of other people doing it. Don't let that discourage you. In fact, that should encourage you because it means there is an audience for it. And there are certain topics that are going to just perform a little bit better on certain platforms. So try to keep that in mind, do a little bit of research. And if you can use it to your advantage, then go for it. Uh, because certain platforms just kind of lend themselves well to certain types of topics. Okay. So we've evaluated you and your passions and your knowledge. We've evaluated who your audience is going to be, and we've evaluated the market. Now we're going to move into step four, which is evaluating the competition. 
Since at this point, you have found some other people in your niche, which we did in our market research stage, it's time to do some digging. There are a few things that I would recommend looking at. For one, what are the folks in their community saying in the comments? For two, what are their biggest strengths? Number three, what are their biggest weaknesses? Four, what other platforms do they use? And finally, five, do they sell products, do brand collaborations, or use affiliate marketing, etc.? What type of way do they make money? Finding out the answers to these questions can help you determine what they are doing right, but also what they are potentially lacking, which is maybe what you could come in, swoop in, and offer. It's kind of like in the regular, regular product business, you know? One of the best ways to determine how you can make your product better is by checking out what your competitors, customers are saying in their reviews and listening to that and improving upon it. The same thing goes for building a business online. If you can determine what your competitor's audience wants from them and they aren't already offering it, you could step in and offer it yourself. Now, with that being said, before we get too, you know, sneaky and skeezy about this, I'm not recommending that you necessarily dive into your quote unquote competition, which by the way, I use that term here, but truly I don't think we're necessarily competing with each other if we're in the same niche. We're just offering value in different ways. So it's not like you can't coexist with your quote unquote competition because we all have different personalities. We all have different experiences and ways that we can, you know, provide value to our audiences. But I think it is really helpful to figure out what kind of gaps might exist in the market. So for example, if I'm like super real with you, I think a gap that I fill in the market of like providing social media advice is just being like super honest and realistic. And I think that that's something that I observed, honestly, not even from necessarily reading comments from people in the communities of other folks that I've watched, but it's something that I've personally felt. Like over the years, trust me, I have watched so many different YouTube, Instagram, like social media gurus that have taught about how to grow because I've always wanted to be a content creator and influencer even many, many years ago before I started this business. So I've been like learning from people for years. And I think something that I always felt was like not enough people were acknowledging the luck that's involved. Not enough people were acknowledging just how freaking hard it was. It felt like I was watching a lot of people who like struck gold and did not even realize, you know, like they were standing on top of a gold mine and everybody else is like, um, okay, <laughs> like I don't live on a gold mine. So how am I supposed to do it? So I think, you know, you can even in this section, when it comes to figuring out what you can offer that your competition quote unquote, isn't, is how do you feel when watching that kind of content? Especially if, like I was saying before, you kind of line up with that whole, like you are your own ideal audience, like you from the past is your ideal audience. Then you can really use your own experience of like, what would I have wanted, you know, a year ago when I was learning about X niche that you're offering, and then really try to be sensitive to that in what you're creating. So for me personally, that means like, I'm not going to make it seem easier than it actually is. 
or I'm not going to just focus on what it takes to, you know, grow when you're already at my stage of growth. I'm going to talk about what it takes when you're starting from zero. I'm going to acknowledge my privilege, acknowledge my luck and incorporate that in the way that I teach people about social media. So that's just a little personal anecdote about kind of how I arrived at the way I approach what I'm doing, but you can use the same thing for yourself. Like think about who you follow and what you kind of wish you would see from them and then offer that to your audience. And truly, if everyone does that, it's not that we're competing with each other to be the best in our niche. We're just offering value in a way that we know we would personally appreciate. And therefore, there's probably other people out there that would appreciate that as well. You know, I think there are some people that probably wouldn't like my vibe of social media marketing teaching because they want to feel like they can like manifest their success and that if they just think positively, then everything will go well. And they don't want to, you know, think about that like life is hard and sometimes shit just happens. So they'd rather follow somebody else who just gives that kind of like positive advice or whatever. And that's fine. That's their bag. They can do that. Um, So I think we're all just like offering advice in the way that we're able to. And that's going to line up with different people and different personalities. So all of this is to say, when you're evaluating your competition, you're just thinking about how are other people approaching this niche that I'm thinking about entering and how could I enter it and like approach it in a way that is unique to me, but not in just a cliche, like be yourself kind of way in a way of like, when you look around at other people in the niche you're interested in, what do you see them doing that either annoys you? That's maybe a negative way of thinking about it, but like where you think I'd love to ask them this question, but I know they'd never answer it. Or I know they'd never talk about X or Y. And then, you know, maybe you can be brave and talk about those things. So That's how I would approach looking at your competition and determining how you can have your unique fit in the market. And I personally think that that's an easier way to think about it than just like, oh, how are you unique? Just be yourself or whatever. It's like, no, look around and see what other people aren't doing and ask yourself why. And like, can you offer that then? Okay, now that we have completed our four evaluation stages, let's take it a step further and start to narrow down your niche. Now that you have solidified your main niche, let's narrow down a little bit and talk about content pillars. This will help provide you direction when creating your own content, your products, your services, maybe down the line. Now, let me be clear here. When I say narrow down your niche, I don't necessarily mean talk about less stuff. I don't mean that you can't talk about a variety of things or that you need to like get even more specific about who your audience is or what you're talking about. I'm talking about creating content pillars. And this basically is going to be the different buckets or categories of content that exist within your niche. Now I've said this a lot and I know like a lot, but creativity thrives under constraints. This is like my favorite saying when it comes to content creation, because it's so true. This just means that having some limitations can help you better reach your target audience, keep you consistent and make you more creative. If you sit down and think, okay, I could write a novel about anything. It's going to be very difficult to come up with an idea. But if you sit down and you tell yourself, I'm only going to write a novel about an 18th century Highlander who just happens to be incredibly attractive. 
then you'll write Outlander. So you just need to give yourself some specifications and it's going to make it easier to be creative. Your content pillars don't need to be restricted to simply subtopics of your overall niche. And that's what I'm trying to get out here is we're not necessarily saying, okay, like for me personally, let's say my niche is Instagram marketing. That doesn't mean that my subtopics have to be like writing captions, hashtags, how to make reels, how to take good photos. Like, no, that's not what the content pillars are going to be because that's going to get bland really fast. Instead, your content pillars are going to be several different subject areas or ways that you can provide value to your audience. And ideally, the thing that holds them all together is what we were talking about before. You're good at it, you're interested in it, and your audience finds it relatable. So the point is, the overarching theme among your content pillars doesn't have to be like some arbitrary idea of what a niche is. Instead, it has to be the relationship between you and your target audience. Your niche will be the result of your content pillars rather than your content pillars being determined by your niche. So let's just give an example totally outside of myself and then we'll come back to me. Let's say you have an organic vegan soap business. Now you're not going to want your subtopics to just be like soap, how we make our soap, how does soap work, different flavors of soap. No, smells, scents. I don't know, like, is it just me? I always think about soap as having a flavor, but like, you don't want to taste it. Anyway, you get the idea. You would want to imagine the person who would buy the type of soap that you're creating and ask yourself, what other topics would they enjoy? These topics might be like self-care, environmentalism, sustainability, vegan recipes, you know, if it's like vegan soap, whatever. So, This is what you want to think about, right? You don't want to just say, my niche is soap. Now I come up with subtopics about soap. I know we're like kind of getting into the weeds here about the soap, but you get what I'm saying. Your content needs to be focused around who your audience is. Really, I like to think about it as if you're creating a magazine. If you think about your favorite magazines like Cosmopolitan, Vogue, yes, do they have a certain kind of subject area? Sure. But really, they create content around an audience and what that audience is interested in. For example, in Vogue, obviously they talk about fashion, but there's also stuff about culture, book reviews, movie reviews, travel. But the kinds of things they talk about in each of those subject areas is determined by the audience. So you need to think about it the same way for yourself. So since we we talked about the soap example, hopefully that was clear, but I'm just going to give another personal anecdote here, which will hopefully make it more clear. So for myself, you know, I, going back to the very beginning about what I'm known for, I said before, you know, I'm known for Instagram marketing advice, but you know, when it comes to my content pillars, what I actually talk about on my social platforms, I like to talk about, yes, Instagram marketing, but also body confidence, self-care and personal development and travel. So those things are not necessarily, well, they certainly aren't subtopics of Instagram marketing, but they're things that I know that my audience can relate to because my audience is also interested in personal growth, personal development, and learning to be more confident. Um, So those all align with the relationship between me and my audience, as well as, you know, social media marketing and Instagram tips. So that's another way to think about a niche that I think a lot of people don't, you know, consider. And I think it adds a lot of, adds a little bit of spice, shall we say, adds the flavor to an otherwise maybe boring or like corporate feeling personal brand. 
Okay, now that you've determined your niche and the various content pillars, subtopics, adjacent topics, whatever you want to call them that you want to talk about on your platform, finally, it's time to test out this new niche that we've established. This is truly one of the most important parts of the entire process, testing and experimenting with your niche. We have all heard the saying, you won't know until you try, but it couldn't be more true. You can brainstorm for days and do all of the market research, but that doesn't guarantee that your niche will be successful. Personally, I believe in the three month rule. I recommend always giving it about three months and then reevaluating your performance. This is something that I just did recently, um, which I'm going to talk about more fully in a future episode. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, uh, because I'm going to make an episode in a couple weeks talking about my experience with my YouTube channel and how I really wanted to try a new niche. I did over the summer, did it for three months, and now I'm taking my observations, you know, the data that I saw from that little experiment, using that to inform, you know, what I'm going to do going forward. So I think it's really important to try something out for three months before you really know if it's going to perform well for you or not. If after three months you don't feel like the niche is working for you, then I would suggest either giving it a little bit more time or restarting this whole process and giving it another shot, potentially with a new niche. And the way that I would decide whether, you know, when you hit that three-month point, you need to really dig deep and ask yourself, Do I feel like I want to pivot and do something different because I'm not in love with this niche anymore or simply because I haven't seen good results in the numbers, in the engagement? If it's only because of the numbers that I want you to keep going, maybe give it another three months because it it really does take time to grow. Like it, it just can take a really long time. If you are feeling though like, I don't have any more creativity to give in this niche. I'm really run dry on ideas. Then it might be time to pivot and try something different. So I don't want you to give up too quickly just because you're not necessarily seeing the viral growth that you want. Know that it takes time. It really, really takes a lot of time. So stay the course if you truly care about it. Keep making content on it. And I do think you will see results eventually. But if you're just not in love with the content you're making anymore, then don't try to force yourself into it. You're totally allowed to pivot. I am a super multi-passionate person and making the decision on what your main topic is going to be or your niche can be really hard. Trust me, I know that. It's probably the main struggle that I've had in my journey as a content creator. But hopefully talking through this, maybe throwing new light on what a niche can mean has been helpful to you and Thank you for listening. I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Creator Club podcast. This show is produced by Creatorly Media, a social media and content marketing agency by creators for creators. If you want professional help growing your social media platforms or creating your content, come visit us at creatorlymedia.com or at creatorlymedia on Instagram. If you've listened this far into the episode, we want to know who you are. Seriously, thank you so much for listening. Screenshot your podcast app and share it to your Instagram story, tagging at Creatorly Media or at Katie Steckley so that we can chat. Again, thanks for listening and remember to keep on creating. We'll catch you next time.